0: When I get ready to leave a a place to go to another place, I have a plan of attack. If I walk out of my house right now, I have a contingency plan for what I will do if I feel like somebody is walking too far.
1: Welcome, everybody, to season five of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. I remember when I launched season 1, I never thought I'd have a podcast, and I have to tell you, I love this project. I love finding guests, interviewing them, and finding the different thoughts and the different skills for ways that we can all stay safe. And what can you do for me? The more you tell others about this podcast, that that's a great reward for me. And I love the international follow following that it has, and then those of you here in the USA that follow and tune in, I, I really, really do appreciate it. I I appreciate you listening. And looking into season five, starting off with our very first episode, our guest studies true crime, so I'm excited to see what she has to say. We have our first international guest that will be on on our next episode, and then of course. I always look for guests that we can learn from for situational awareness. And one of our episodes coming up will be specifically for those Uber and Lyft rides that we so often take. What and how do you stay safe? Uh, Someone very special and somebody who sadly went through something very tragic will educate us all.
0: The reality of the situation is that we are much more likely to be harmed by people we know.
1: My guest today is Brittany Ransom. She is the creator of the wonderful true crime podcast, When Killers Get Caught. It has over 200,000 listens with only 45 episodes. She's a true crime buff herself. She realized that she could translate her decades-long habit of delving deep into every crime or criminal that has fascinated her. And her content is accessible to anybody that wants to learn. She was featured in the October 2021 episode of ABC's 2020, discussing Gabby Petito. In fact, that's how I found her. And she has other documentary and other exciting content in the works. First of all, Brittany, what led you to start a podcast about killers and true crime?
0: Oh, I wanted to do it years ago. I just talked myself out of it. I wasn't ready. I didn't have the right supplies. Uh, I just knew that I, you know, I wanted to do a podcast. And originally, oh, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to admit it anyway. I tried to do like a, a dating relationship podcast with friends of mine. And that did not go well. It just it was impossible to like get everybody together. And then I just don't think the subject was right for me. And then it just kind of clicked. Uh, one day, I'm gonna say it was like December in 2020. I saw a TikTok, and the guy had loads of reviews, I mean, like loads of comments. And I realized I was like, wait a second, there's a community for this. And then I went, I'm gonna start the TikTok. And then from the TikTok, we're going to build the podcast off of that. And this is something I know. Something I just this was just a casual hobby. <laughs> of course, that <laughs> makes sense now in hindsight. Talk about what you know, not <laughs> what you think will be popular. But what is your attraction to true crime? I think it's everybody. It's the same thing for everybody there's this desire to see a conclusion, you know, uh, this, this bad thing happened and bad things happen constantly. And in these stories, you get, you get the bad guy. There's some sense of justice. And that's the reason why my niche is what it is specifically discussing caught killers, because frankly, it's downright depressing the number of people who are missing. And we just, never, know. and the amount of cold cases in the U.S. So at least in this vein, I get to.
1: You, you get some some level of satisfaction from it. Well, you're coming up on your one year anniversary. So I know you've done a lot of research, done a lot of a lot of interviews. What's the most shocking or surprising thing that you have learned about people who kill?
0: It's kind of weird. I wouldn't say. It's surprising, it's definitely not surprising anymore. It's much, think like someone like Gary Ridgway. It's much more like him than you realize. I grew up in the 90s and I'm sure you remember the way that the media really loved to promote this concept of stranger danger. The reality of the situation is that we are much more likely to be harmed by people we know. Mm-hmm. I think that's the the fact that's constantly reiterated in all of the cases that I cover both on TikTok and on the podcast with the deeper dives it's people we know it's people we're close to and like that's almost
1: worse than the idea of a random killer so would you say if you had to name a consistency with all the research and interviews you've done that that's one of the biggest consistencies as is that killing is done by people who we know
0: yeah. I would think that's the the most consistent thing. The majority of these uh, crime is intercommunity. It's interracial. Like it's, it's within spaces where we're around like people. So like crimes that happen in church happen from other church going people. Crimes that happen in certain communities happen from those people in those communities. It's not people coming from the outside. Those are the
1: exceptions to the rule. Well, you obviously when you when you study crime, you have to have awareness as you move about the world, because you know that crazy things can happen, things that you might that somebody average who doesn't study crime might think, oh, they just don't think that bad things can happen. So when you hear that, oh, you'll like this person, he's a really nice guy at what point, and you get to meet this person, at what point, even though it's already been declared, they're a nice guy, at what point do you trust them?
0: Oh, that's my own personal timeline. I don't, what somebody else tells me about a stranger is completely unimportant. Takes me forever to get used to wanting to meet people.
1: Yeah. Do you have when you meet somebody dating, let's just say you're out with your friends, maybe at a party, maybe at a bar. Is there something that you specifically look at where you're like, nope, and they haven't hardly even like said very much to you?
0: I'll tell you my my one little dating tool that I use when someone invites me to go somewhere. I find a reason to change the venue. It doesn't matter if I like the venue or not. What I'm doing is I'm challenging the person and how they react to me going, oh, I don't like this place. I want to go somewhere else determines how I like them because I've had people explode on me, you know, because I said, I don't want to go to that restaurant. Well, why not? I'm like, I don't like it. And then you find out later, well, that restaurant's close to that, his house. So, you know, he was trying to organize a situation where he could get, you know, to a a quick sexual encounter. But for me, what I'm looking for is, can you handle the fact that, like, a woman is challenging you in any way? And any sort of uh, aggression early on in the getting to know you phase is I'm out.
1: Yeah, we don't take chances. I like that. That's a good tactic and I think a lot of people listening to this are gonna are gonna think that that's good practice as well. Uh, so when somebody does show aggression, they question you, but maybe they say, why do you want to change it? Why do you want to change it? Fine. We'll just go to where you want to go. Are mm-hmm. you still gonna meet that person? If they show aggression, no. If they agree, then I'm like, okay, that's a good
0: sign. Uh, like I was talking to somebody before I moved and obviously it didn't work out because I moved. But he had an empty profile page and I had mine is full of information because I am an oversharer, as one who talks to people on the Internet is. But uh, he was just like, oh, tell me about yourself. And I was like, well, how about you tell me about yourself since your page is empty and mine isn't? And he was like, oh, that makes sense. There was not at all any like ego about the fact that I reversed the question and wanted him to talk about himself. You know, but I've had people respond to that and be like mad at me because I'm not following the way they wanted this conversation to go. Mm.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that the way that people react, just like what you're saying in simple conversations, you know, a lot of times people get into these relationships and they're like, oh, my gosh. But really, the warning signs were there early on. They just look past it because for some people, you know, they got to find that man or they got to find that person and they look past maybe a, a small act of aggression. Do you, do you think there's truth to that?
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I have a, a family member who did that over and over and over to me as a child. Um, and it was somebody who at the time was my parental figure and uh, it's just unfortunate. It's I, I have friends who also experienced this too from their like mother figures, uh, <laughs> like anything for a man it's and it has devastating effects on children just you can't live that way there, there
1: can't there has to be things that are more important than you having a partner god i just want to play that last sentence like 700 times <laughs> god all right well let's say we let the wrong person into our lives because we have disregarded Warning signs. We have disregarded what our true values and ethics are, and the next thing you know, we got a cuckoo magoo, and we're trying to get away from them, and now they're upset, and now they're stalking us. What Mm. is your thought? You and I have talked about this. Tell us your thoughts about stalking laws. Stalking laws are useless, and they're Mm. completely
0: ineffective. They, the majority of the laws in the U.S., pretty much they use the terminology and it makes me really angry, but it's like, what a reasonable person would deem a threat. And I'm just like, what is a reasonable person? Like if I feel threatened, I feel threatened. It doesn't matter if you feel threatened and it'll be like a a situation that was happening to somebody I know was that this person was continually like walking by her house and sure he was on a public sidewalk, but it was a threatening gesture that this man kept coming by her home or driving nearby. And I had that happen to me when I lived in Philadelphia. Like I started changing the way that I walked to avoid this dude because every time he would see me, it was, hey, you should come up to my apartment. And it was just so unsettling. And then one time he found out where I worked because he had a job there and I was so upset. But like, there's nothing in the guidelines to help with that. They want an act of violence from the person who's stalking you. And the problem with that is that stalkers go from doing nothing, doing nothing to murder real fast.
1: So that escalation that the police want could be the end of somebody's life. Mm. Yeah, great point. Now, you've had some concerning behavior by people that you've dated. Mm -hmm. Uh, One in particular, you know, you're a strong, confident woman. And sometimes guys have a hard time handling that. Did that ever escalate during one of your relationships where somebody couldn't handle maybe your path of success and that you are confident and that you do know what you want?
0: I was in a really long-term relationship in my early twenties that went into almost 30. And uh, this person was about seven years older than I was. And I thought at 23, I was I was the big boss. I knew exactly what I was doing, but I, I didn't recognize uh, the way that that relationship went. I mean, the the silent treatment stuff started like almost immediately. And he was just like, oh, I just I don't want to talk to you when I'm upset. I'm, I'm afraid I'll say something awful. And I was like, that seems logical. OK. And things outside of that, things were fine until my mom passed away. And the situation with that was that I lost really the ability to care about much. I ended up in a lot of intense therapy and like my job mandated it because I kept like calling out because I just couldn't function. And so the the situation happened there, which happens. I learned later in a lot of serious relationships when the woman can no longer be like the primary caregiver, men get upset and like they start cheating They like I mean, there are stories about like women who will have like breast cancer, still like cleaning their entire house while they're doing chemo. Like the man just doesn't step up. And so in this situation, because I was the person who needed all the emotional support and I couldn't provide it to him, that's when the relationship shifted. And that's when uh, the more abusive behavior started. And I was completely I was already in a bad mental state to begin with. And I I got to a point where I was accepting, like, the most bare minimum affection as, oh, he still loves me. Like, he called today. He still loves me. When, like, you know, I feel like if I had been in a better state of mind and not, like, medicated and, and seeing a therapist three times a week because of grief that I would have been able to walk away from that better. But that's also part of the, the factor of people who are abusive They're they're looking for vulnerability and, and weakness. So, and then the worst part here, right? So I make it through that. I'm better. I'm working on myself. I'm doing all this awesome stuff. He breaks up with me because I argue with him too much. And I was like, I'm just getting back to who I was in the beginning. What are you talking about? He liked me in the weekend state. He he loved that. That mm-hmm. was when I was the easiest to control. He could do whatever he wanted. And if I tried, like, just clawing a little bit back up to, to regular Brittany, normal Britney, um, caused massive fights. You know, can't question me. Because when I was majorly depressed i didn't have any energy to question him you know so on the on the opposite side of that so i in hindsight i look at that as a blessing i would have stayed with it because i'd spent 8 years in it so you know and i tell this to people now just cuz you spent time does not mean this relationship is worth it but yeah
1: <laughs> absolutely absolutely it's insidious uh, Yeah, well, looking back, because you're smarter now, you know we get smarter as we as we get older. Mm -hmm. What were the warning signs? Let's say before your mom died, and you were you were Brittany. Were there any warning signs prior to that where you're like, "Mm, I did see that early on, but I just disregarded it.
0: The the random bouts of I don't want to talk to you, I'm not going to talk to you for a week at a time. I didn't even realize that was a a a symptom of emotional abuse. I didn't know that that was what abusers do. It's part of the process. So Mm. that should have been the first, like, I need to leave situation. If somebody were to do that now, it would be a complete absolute no.
1: Right. I always talk a lot about intuition. I think intuition can save our lives. Uh, What are your thoughts on the importance of trusting your intuition?
0: The funny thing about it is people look at intuition as like some sort of magical Zen feeling. I'm like, this is observation. This is the fact that you are watching things. And then later on your brain's making connections. So trust that, that your brain is making a connection here that makes you feel uncomfortable. Like a weird thing that happened to me with someone I was talking to online. He had sent me a picture of him at work like weeks before. And then he sent me a message that was like, hey, look what I did at work today. And he sent me the same picture. And I went, that's weird. That something there's something weird going on here. And then I I, I paused and I was just like, he keeps begging me to call him on the phone. But when I call him, he doesn't pick up. And I was like, I'm going to leave. And I just sent him a message. I was like, I don't think this is going to work out. As like, good luck. And then I blocked him on everything. <laughs> um, Cause I was just like, why are you working off of a, a script when trying to meet somebody? That's what I saw that as he had a script. He had set pictures he was sending and he forgot which pictures he had already sent to me. Right, was this right. even the person I thought I was talking to? Totally. Yeah. Totally. So I immediately pulled out. I'm like, and that's just your intuition. I feel like your intuition is just, you observe the world and then you step back and you think about what you saw, you know, it wasn't just that he didn't pay the, you know, he didn't want to tip the server and he made certain comments or, you know, those are they're individually. Well, not tipping your server I think is a big red flag in general, but, you know, treating people who you believe are less than you is trash is an instant no in my book as well. But, you know, It's little things here and there. And then you kind of look at it in this one picture and you just go, oh, this is bad. And the best thing to do in that situation is not go back on how you're feeling. Because we talk Mm -hmm. ourselves out of it. Women do that. We talk ourselves. We go, oh, but he's so nice. And, you know, he paid for all these meals and he didn't have to do that. As (laughs) if paying for a meal is some grand gesture is 20 bucks. What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, um, and the other thing that I learned, I, I heard this once uh from porn star Asa Akira, but she said no was a full sentence. Absolutely, it is. And no speaks a million ways. And you don't have to explain to anybody why you have said no. And I've actually <laughs> Made some people angry in interpersonal dating when they're just like, well, why don't you want to date me? And I'm like, buddy, I've decided that I don't want to pursue this. I don't have to give you a case by case, like a full rundown of why I don't feel comfortable anymore. Well, I, I deserve to know. Maybe you do, buddy, but I I'm done. Yeah, I've reached my nope quota and we're done here. Mm
1: hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the things about intuition is it doesn't need to be defined, you know, so intuition mm-hmm. is a feeling, you know, and mm-hmm. a lot of times, maybe we're out, let's just say you're at a outdoor concert. Mm-hmm. And there's some guy that gives you the creeps and you go over and maybe you have a guy with your group of friends and you go, that guy over there, you know, he, he's making me feel weird. And the guy will say your friend will say, well, what'd he do? And, you know, you're not going to say, you know, he grabbed my butt. He he, you know, came on to me. You don't have anything to say other than he gave you the creeps. But for some people, they need a definition. Right. For women, we're like, oh, no, this is this is a no. And I can't I don't have to explain how I feel. I'm not doing that.
0: I think it's because we're we've had to. For all of our lives, at least American women, we have to be hyper vigilant about our safety. And that's why I find it so insulting when people are like, Well, you know, what were you wearing? Did you, you know, did you have your pepper spray? Did you? I was like, Buddy, you don't understand what it's like to exist in this world. When I get ready to leave a a place to go to another place, I have a plan of attack. If I walk out of my house right now, I have a contingency plan for what I will do if I feel like somebody is walking too far. Happened to me before I was, I got off the bus. This is when I lived in Philadelphia. No, I got off the train when I lived in Philly. And I remember the guy looking at me on the train because he kept smiling. And I was like, buddy, I have my headphones on. I'm not smiling at you. What are you doing? So I got off the train. I walked about two blocks. And I got towards the corner where I turned towards my block and he was still there. And I stopped and I turned and I went, where are you going? And he said, wherever you're going. And I said, no, you're not. And then he was just like, no, no. And I was like, you're going to walk wherever the fuck you're going right now. Oops. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to curse. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like, you're going to walk wherever (laughs) the F you're going right now, buddy. And I'm going to wait. And then I watched him walk further down the block and turn a different corner. And then I ran home. I was like, this dude was going to follow me to my house. Yep. Yeah.
1: And that was based off of a random smile. Yeah, totally, totally. And people don't know. Just like you said, people don't know how vigilant, especially women, have to be. There's a story about a young woman. Her name's Holly Bobo. Mm -hmm. And she lived in Tennessee out in the sticks And she went to a restaurant and these two guys, creepy guys, followed her home. She had no idea. And the next morning she goes out to her car at 7 a.m. And the guys are there. She never sees him coming. They stayed there all night. They probably came back early. Whatever they did, dragged her into the woods, never to be seen Alive again. And so when people don't understand that women really do have to be vigilant about all the little things, it's stories like that where you do have to do the work. You do have to do the work to stay safe. She
0: probably didn't even realize that, like they probably saw her before. They've probably been casing her for quite some time. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's, absolutely. it's never
0: as like random as you think. Like it'll be like uh there was a case that I was uh I felt so bad. It was a cold case that recently got. Well, they reopened it and they found the people who did it based on like old DNA. But it was she was like 16 years old and it was a customer at her restaurant. And the guy just came by every day. And I'm sure she felt deeply uncomfortable by this older man who kept coming to her restaurant to see her every day. And I've spoken with some of my friends about that. Uh, I work. I used to work at summer camps in between when I was a teacher, you know, in between school years. And, like, there were situations where some of the, like, college girls that I worked with told me about situations where, like, they would hide in the back of the restaurant or hide in, like, the employee rooms whenever a certain customer came in. And, like, I can't wrap my brain around the fact that a store wouldn't go, you can't come here anymore when you are literally terrorizing teen girls, So this is like 2012. I'm trying to remember the name of this writer. He wrote for Cracked. um, And it was like harsh truths that'll make you a better person. And he was specifically talking to young men because that was his demographic of people who liked him. Um, And this concept that men have that they deserve the girl. Like in the movies, you did a thing and you deserve the girl. And he he said it was so funny because it was I'm a nice guy is the same thing as a restaurant that says we serve food here or a movie that says there are actors in this film. Like it's the bare freaking (laughs) minimum. And you want some level of cookies, kudos, for like being the basic for a decent human being. And then they say things like, oh, but I'm not like those other guys. And I'm like, well, I'm also not dating those other guys either. Like, I want kindness, compassion, empathy, you know, like deep human emotions. And you're at the (laughs) point of like, I said she was pretty and I like, I asked her to go have coffee with me. And I'm like, buddy, what are you doing here? You're not selling yourself. In any way, shape or form, just I'm here and I exist. And they think that that is enough to
1: gain the trust of women. You're absolutely out of your mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's flip it. What do you want to say to the women that that is enough for them? Fix your
0: self-esteem. That's the key thing here. We only believe that we don't deserve enough because somewhere in our life, maybe it's your childhood, maybe it's your experiences, but somewhere you learn the lesson that you don't deserve more. We deserve more than the bare minimum in our personal relationships, in all of our relationships, honestly. That's one of the reasons why I love the great resignation that's going on in the U.S. right now. People who are demanding living wages and, and better treatment from employees. We deserve better than the bare minimum in everything.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I'm not saying you deserve the best of all the best, but can we find a minimum, like a middle ground here? Not dirt or gold. Like there's gotta be a middle ground here of of what you accept as behavior. And like, honestly, we learn this stuff as children. It's why I accepted certain things that I would never accept now because when I was little, I was neglected. And I, that neglect turned into being a people pleaser and doing anything so that people liked me. Oh, I just wanted to be liked so much. And the hilarity of it is that now as a a 34 year old woman, I could care less who likes me and (laughs) people like me now when i just don't care (laughs) but when i was obsessed with it i i hurt myself over and over again putting myself in these awful positions so that i could be there for people who cared nothing about me
1: yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you made it through that phase of your life and hopefully it was a short phase
0: unfortunately not so much
1: (laughs) All right. I got one more question for you. And I mean, I I know the answer and it's but I I love to ask this question. So with all of your studying, your interviews, everything that you're doing, Mm -hmm. when you hear the phrase, I live in a nice neighborhood, bad things like that don't happen here. (laughs) (laughs) What's your first thought?
0: You're lying to yourself. Bad things happen everywhere. We, we did this in the U S with this whole concept of like segregating ourselves in the past. It was racial. Now it's financially, but you know, we've, we've told ourselves that, you know, it's, it's those poor neighborhoods where the bad things happen. Listen, when I was living in West Philadelphia, just walking through town, it, I had no care in the world. I was like, listen, if somebody robs me, I'm going to just give them my bag and keep it moving. You know, I wasn't worried about I was vigilant, you know, hence the situation with the guy on the train. But I wasn't scared to live in a, a quote-unquote bad neighborhood. But really bad things happen in good neighborhoods. Really bad things happen in good families. I mean, you uncover these, look at the whole situation with the Murdos that's happening in 2021. You know, rich family, two kids, wife, now we have this whole conspiracy around this dude and laundering money and killing people. And <sighs> bad things can happen anywhere. And there's absolutely no method for you to be completely safe 100% of the time. All we can do is find ways to mitigate risk and not take unnecessary chances. But like we also just you got to live your life, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, and, and I think that's it's great advice. And I think I think more and more in the world, obviously, if you don't think there's violence in, in today's world, my God, you're walking around with the biggest blinders on that I've ever seen. So um, colored glasses, oh, my God, just garden, garden glasses. Um, all right. Well, listen, you have been fantastic and I appreciate your insight on all this. And and I think you've provided some great awareness and education for our listeners. To close, tell me, tell me a big nugget about your podcast. Why should people listen to your podcast?
0: When Killers Get Caught is deep dives into killers that we know about, some that are definitely overexposed, but I tried to cover in different ways and learn about the things that happened in their lives that contributed to who they became. Not as a, a way to give them a pass, But as a way to try and understand sometimes what can, I don't want to say the, it's not what can make people go crazy, but it's what can make people feel like the only thing they have going for them is that, murder.
1: Mm. Yeah, deep, 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 deep stuff. (laughs) All right. Well, listen, Brittany, good luck to you. Uh, I know your your new uh, season is launching in 2022. That's season two. Yep. So, season two, January 6th, 2022. All right. You got it. You got it. Thank you so much for being part of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. And I think you and I are going to hopefully stay in touch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. On my next episode, when your boyfriend's a little bit older than you and you think you're in love, but sexual assault enters the relationship, what do you do? And how do you find a way out? I'm your host, Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Always Bev, The Ripple Effect.